The Guku Yalanji are our local rainforest people and this is their country, their Babu. For thousands of years, their ancestors used these lower ridges of the Alexandra Range, just north of the Daintree River, as their southern gateway from Mossman to the Daintree Coast. And they called this place here Jindalba, which means foot of the mountain. The Daintree is a living treasure, and another living treasure, David Attenborough, has described the Daintree as his, and I quote, most favourite place in the world. It contains rainforests that have no parallels anywhere else in the world, and they are places of great beauty and nobility. I'm Mike Darcy, the Darcy of Daintree, and in these podcasts we're introducing you to some of the great Daintree treasures. This morning, it's Jindalba, an absolutely stunning section of lowland and low-altitude rainforest with a boardwalk meandering up and down along a dense rainforest gully, crisscrossing a beautiful stream with green lush layers of growth all around and everywhere the sounds of nature, of songbirds, insects, rustling leaves, creaking trees, or is that just me, and the cascading stream. But also the total absence of the sounds of urbanisation. Our easy 600 metre walk has a few shallow steps and some short stretches of gravel which make it unfortunately not totally wheelchair accessible. Over there, near the big tank, there's a sign saying walking tracks. That's us. As we pass the park's information display, we're keeping to the main boardwalk ignoring the small sign pointing to a longer two-hour nature trail off to the right. We'll save that for another day. Here, right near the start, we're keeping an eye out for one of our rarest and most striking birds of the Daintree. It's so special it's made our Daintree top 10 most wanted list. We often glimpse its large red beak and red legs, then the colourful orange and blue body and a long white streamer tail. It's called a buff-breasted paradise kingfisher. That's a mouthful. And it might dart across the path at eye level or perch on a nearby low branch. Whoops, too busy looking around. We nearly bumped into this little tree growing through the middle of the path. There are quite a few of these as we walk along and they certainly bring the rainforest into our walk. See how many of these nearby trees have an almost smooth mottled trunk with colourful splotches and bands of pink, grey and green lichens, plus a few mosses to add to the texture and colour. We won't be able to see them with the naked eye, but among these lichen growths, on the trunks and nearby leaves, are a huge microscopic fauna population of mites, worms and insect larvae, oh, as well as lots of bacteria and fungi, literally zillions of mini-ecosystems. And since we're already up close and personal, we can spot some little rainforest camouflage experts on these tree trunks, like the stunning prickly katydids with their ridiculously long spiky feelers and green and brown spines all over its body. Or perhaps a lichen spider or two, spread eagle and almost invisible. If we come back tonight with a spotlight, we might see one of the leaf-tailed geckos, Australia's largest gecko with its quaint, flat, leaf-shaped tail. 
down here crossing underneath the path, it looks like a giant snake, but it's not. It's just a giant woody liana vine coiling and climbing upward into the trees. Down lower here are some tiny foraging skinks busily on the hunt for insects. If they're not scampering among the litter on the forest floor, they'll be darting between the decking boards. Skinks are just little sun-loving lizards, and at last count we have about 375 skink species in Australia. Moving along just a little way and off to the left of the path, see that trunk with the amazingly square-shouldered buttresses jutting out from the trunk? How many? Seven, eight, at least nine buttress planks, plus a few more hidden around the corner. That's one solid base to have in a cyclone. Those square shoulders are a special feature of the spurwood mahogany, one of our large rainforest trees around the Daintree. Just a few metres further on, here are these two big trees on either side of the path, creating this imposing gateway, a portal. Both trees have these climbing big-leafed vines, commonly called needleberries, a type of root climber. It's fascinating to see how they hug the tree, hugging but not strangling. Gentle tree huggers, really. We'll pause now at this magic little bridge, the first of three, overlooking Jindalba's resident cascading stream. Today it's flowing gently over water-smooth granite rocks, but it can be moody, extremely moody. When the summer rainfall cranks up into overdrive, it becomes a brown roiling torrent cascading down through the undergrowth. Look down there to the understory on the forest floor. It's an assortment of low-life seedlings and saplings. One day, some of these will become forest giants. They're mixed together with specialist understory shrubs, such as walking stick palms, supplejack, zamia ferns and a few fleshy herbs. These understory plants don't need full sun. They cope beautifully with sunflex or dappled sunlight. And note that there's absolutely no grass around here. In a closed canopy rainforest, there's not enough sun for grasses. No grass, no land kangaroos. Simple. And higher up, we can see yet another level of trees and supporting plants that make up this dense canopy. Native rainforest palms and a whole host of epiphytic ferns such as basket and bird's nest ferns clutching onto their host trees, plus the many assorted vines that have managed to climb upwards to get to the best of the direct sunlight. And through all these, way up on top, we find a few towering types, sometimes called emergent trees, rising above the canopy. These are the ancient survivors of the recurrent episodes of cyclonic winds. Oddly enough, our wet tropics of Queensland is actually the only major tropical rainforest in the world that has regular cyclones. And because we're a cyclone-prone area, our canopy generally tops out at around 40 metres, so trees just won't grow old enough to reach their thousandth birthday. Nor will our Daintree trees grow as tall as the giants in many other forests, such as the flowering mountain ash, a eucalyptus in Tasmania, the flowering Maranti of Borneo, or the Sequoias conifers of the USA and Northern Hemisphere. None of those places has cyclones, so the trees there have a chance to grow taller and older. On up the steps, we can see several of the native cardamoms, 
a common ginger type herb with a juicy edible red rhizome. Another few steps into the green room with a little bench and poetic plaque provided by the park's rangers. The plaque's a good read and invites us to look around at the rainforest in all its gorgeous diversity and profusion of shapes, forms and colours. I wonder if we'll see any celebrities around here. We did have a young cassowary once crashing in for an unscheduled photo shoot, so we might spot some local celebrities hanging about. It's a green room, after all. Another bench further up and opposite will turn right into a cul-de-sac. Definitely a must-visit to check out a small stand of ancient king ferns with their supersized four to five metre long fronds. Thick and thirsty. Can you imagine how much pressure it takes to keep them pumped up with water? It's called turgor pressure and king ferns have it in bucket loads. Our path starts to wind down now along a few little patches of gravel and we're seeing an accumulation of fallen flowers, fruits and leaves. Whoops, it's an explosion of leaves. That got the heart pumping a little. It's just a Boyd's Forest Dragon, or Boyd for short. He's just swooped down, totally ignoring our presence. We must have disturbed some leaf litter and exposed his lunch. He never lets an opportunity pass by. Now he's gone back onto his normal observation point, clinging motionless at human eye level on that slim tree over there. Superbly camouflaged, with head upright and body perfectly still. By the way, Boyd is another one of our Daintree top ten most wanted. A little further down and below this second bridge is actually the tallest Hope Psycat on public display in the Daintree. At ten metres high, it may have been around in 1066 when the Battle of Hastings was being fought, or perhaps those early days of the spice trade. Just past the bridge, another short cul-de-sac to the right leads us to a natural amphitheatre where the sounds are magnified and echoed up right through the little valley. At times we might hear the cicadas insistently monotoning, white cockatoos screeching, Victoria rifle birds rasping and wampoo fruit doves wallaka wooing. Oh and in the green season we'd get the whole frog chorus belting out their mating calls in raucous competition, rising to a crescendo, then subsiding and starting the whole process all over again. In the distance, we might even hear a dingo howling. Each season gives us a different rainforest concerto. Check out the different fruit on the ground along this next stretch. These large blue fruit are called cassowary plums, so there's no prizes for guessing what eats them. They're quite toxic, but the amazing cassowaries can consume them without ill effect. The secret is their high-powered, highly acidic digestive system which processes everything really quickly. Cassowary diet, by the way, is an all-consuming and totally non-selective cuisine which includes over 150 different fruit, dead and live meat, insects, amphibians and almost anything else. Careful as we go down the steps, it's easy to get distracted by the two woody liana vines crossing over the path ahead of us forming a natural guard of honour in an archway. We've seen lianas everywhere on our journey, sometimes twining together in rope-like fashion, 
and also twining and climbing along the trees. But just notice which way they twine, clockwise or anti-clockwise. Now here's a myth-busting moment coming up. Around the Dane tree, my observation is that almost all twiners, say 99%, will actually go anti-clockwise, compared with about 90% worldwide. Apparently, it's species-specific, and it's nothing to do with whether they're in the northern or southern hemisphere, so nothing to do with the Coriolis effect. The great Charles Darwin, by the way, described five distinct types of climbing vines. In addition to the twiners and root climbers, he also mentions leaf climbers, tendril bearers and hook climbers, like the way to wildfire. I reckon we wouldn't have to go more than 50 metres along any of these boardwalks to find examples of all five climbing types. Here's another seat overlooking the third bridge and stream. At this early morning, the late afternoon's also good, we'd better plump ourselves down on the bench to capture some of the magic images in this sparkling light and check out more wildlife, including a most unusual marsupial mammal. It would be a rare encounter, a Bennett's tree kangaroo. Just don't expect the usual kangaroo build. Their claws are huge, a bit like Hugh Jackman's famous wolverine claws, then add a head like a bear, strong shoulders and arms for climbing, stumpy legs with big foot pads for landing, and an ultra-long bushy tail for balancing along the vines and through the trees. We find them only north of the Daintree River, along the Daintree coast, and up towards Cooktown. They're more active at night, but they also move around quite a bit during the day, especially early morning, late afternoon, so we have a small chance of spotting one. Just there, a little beyond this last bridge and across to the left, see if you can make out that small dome-shaped mound on the forest floor. It's a rainforest termite mound, but some of these, strangely, also double up as the paradise kingfisher's nest. If we look carefully, we might see the place where the termites had to patch up the wall. After pecking a hole in the mound's rock-hard surface, these kingfishers lay their eggs and raise their young inside the termite mound. Even more amazingly, they fly off to New Guinea then, on their annual migration, leaving the young behind to make their own journey a few weeks later. And here we are at the end of the walk. Our starting point is just off to the left. If any of you have time to spare, these picnic tables are perfect for a morning tea in the forest and extending your chances to meet more of the locals. I hope our walk around Jindalba the foot of the mountain, has given you an insight into its sights and sounds of a very complex, lowland and low-altitude tropical natural treasure and one of our four national parks boardwalks. You may wish to check out more special Daintree places and podcasts through our Darcy of Daintree website. And if you're thinking of doing a private Darcy of Daintree tour, I can show you around Jindalba and some other fascinating parts of the Daintree. So, thanks for listening. Until next time.